We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How are you doing? Welcome to another episode, episode number 601 of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in. Usually I say whether it's the audio side or whether it's the video side, but today's episode, going solo. So this is an audio only. Um, I was at Bill's camp on Sunday at St. John's Fisher. Uh, I got some notes and some observations that I want to spend a couple minutes talking about today. This will not be a long episode. Uh, whatsoever. But these are notes and observations after seeing things with my own eyes at camp on Sunday. You know, through the first three practices, I've relied on media people I trust, uh, some fans I trust, some friends I trust that have been in the stands at St. John's Fisher offering, you know, their notes, their, their observations on what they've seen. And that's awesome. But at some point, if you want to have an informed opinion about what's going on at camp, you kind of you need to be there yourself and uh, see with your own eyes. So I did that on Sunday. Uh, I got some thoughts on that. Like I said, this is audio only. So if you're checking us out on Spotify or Apple, or whatever you get your podcasts from, just make sure you like and follow. Um, I'm going to start doing from time to time anyway, because I don't do solo episodes quite often. But when I do, they're almost always, and in fact, not almost, they always are on the audio side only. But going to start doing some of these video as well, putting up some graphics and stuff like that. So in these rare instances where I do this solo, uh, you'll be able to watch these on YouTube. If you're not subscribed to the Talking Buffalo uh, podcast YouTube channel, make sure you do that as well. Uh, Before we get going, like I said, Bill's Camp Notes and Observations, that's pretty much the theme of uh, today's solo episode. But before that, if you haven't listened to it or watched it already, um, Saturday night, I did a live show from Imperial Pizza. It's a series I've been doing for a while now. Typically, we tape those. I have a guest on a Thursday night, and they're live streaming on Thursday night, and then the podcast drops on Friday. However, 
I had former Buffalo Bills great John Fina on with me, and John doesn't live in Buffalo, but he was in town, and the only time we could hook up was Saturday evening. So John was kind enough to uh, come by and do the show on Saturday night. If you haven't checked that out yet, after you're done listening to this, go back and listen to uh, episode 600 with not just John Fina, by the way, Joe Miller, um, co-host of the John Fina Show on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Podcast Network. Both of them joined me. It was a lot of fun. We did it, like I said, on a Saturday night and Imperial. Um, you know, I've had John on the show a handful of times now, and I'll tell you this, and I mean this. John Fina is incredibly engaging. He might be, at least in terms of former Buffalo Bills players that I personally know, whether they've been on my show or whether it's just a player that I happen to know, I'm not sure that there's many, if any, out there that are more engaging with fans than uh, John Fina, just one of the best. He loves shooting the shit with fans. He just, there's no other way to say it. Loves talking to Bills fans. He is so embedded and ingrained now at this point in the Bills Mafia. It's awesome to see. John lives in Arizona, but I mean, he's always on social media chatting it up with fans. And every time he comes to Buffalo, um, you know, fans just flock to him and, and he just loves it. He loves talking to them. Um, I said it on the show, said it right to John's face too. I said, the hardest part about getting you to do the show or the hardest part about having you on the show isn't the show itself. It's prying John away from fans in the minutes leading up to before we have to record. I literally had to tell him like four or five times, well, all right, John, let's, uh, it's time to do this show. But he was, uh, talking to a bunch of fans, which is really cool. Um, a lot of fans did come out Saturday night at Imperial Pizza. That was awesome. I mean, there was a, a solid couple tables worth of some Bills fans. A lot of them mainly there to see John, of course, but some of them I had never met before. So it was great to see and meet most of them. And real quick here, before we get into today's show, and then I'm going to get into the show. Um, thanks to all the fans that come out to Imperial Pizza when we do these live shows, all the shows, whether it's John or whoever it may be. But like I said, this Saturday, there was a lot of fans, really cool to see. But one specifically, I was looking forward to meeting more than, quite frankly, anybody else. Um, and you would understand this. Nick Mayerick, if you're on social media, surely you know the story by now. I'm not going to really go over all the details. And maybe even if you're not on social media, you, you would know this. But of course, Nick is the father of eight-year-old uh, Eddie Mayerick, who sadly passed away earlier uh, this month here in, in um in July, uh, <laughs> it's tough to talk about. I don't really want to get into it. But again, you probably know the story. He had a, he was born with a heart defect. The kid had so many open heart surgeries. He fought so brave, so courageous. And his father was uh, kind enough to kind of share that journey publicly on Twitter every day, just photos and videos of Eddie, the ups, the downs. It was, um, it was something that made everybody fall in love with Eddie, you know, we, there's this, uh, Eddie's infantry. That's the group, um, that, that, uh, his father started or a lot of uh, Bill's fans. It's just, they started, but anyway, I don't want to get too off the rails here. The support and the love that this guy has gotten has been amazing twofold. It really has. And I got a chance to meet Nick. He came up to Imperial on Saturday and I was looking forward to meeting him more than anything else. I was looking forward to meeting him and talking to him more than I was actually doing the podcast with John and Joe. He's just a great guy. Um, he's kind of almost like shell-shocked right now. All the love and all the support that he's gotten through these incredibly tough times, times that 
most of us can can only imagine and hopefully we never have to experience ourselves. But anyway, Nick is an amazing dude, man. An amazing guy. He feels the love and the support from everybody, uh, whether it's on social media, whether it was in person. He's been in Buffalo over the weekend. He was here. He went to Bill's camp on Sunday. Jordan Poyer made some time uh, to, to hug it out with him and chat him up. Brandon being the same, like I said, it was an honor to be able to meet Nick and be able to have a conversation with him in person. I'm glad he was able to make it. That really, uh, that made my night. It, it was inspiring. So anyway, thank him. Thank John. Go listen or watch the show from uh, Saturday night. It was really good, man. John is always great uh, when it comes to the podcast. He has great takes. We spent some time talking about Bill's current Bill's training camp, some of the things that we should be looking for. Talked a little bit about how last season ended. Spent a lot of time talking about when John was a player, some of the ins and outs of training camp and what some of these guys that are playing for the Bills right now uh, may be going through. So really good stuff with John and Joe Miller as well. So make sure uh, you go check that out. One more note, Joe Marino, host of Lockdown Bills. In my opinion, the best Buffalo Bills podcaster out there with respect to everyone else, period. I just think Joe Marino is the best. He's in town this week, and I'm excited because Thursday night, he is going to be my guest this week live from uh, Imperial, the series that I do. So Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills is going to be joining me live Thursday night. Cannot wait for that. Um, all right, let's just dive into this because, again, I don't, I don't want this to be long. Don't want to keep you long. These are just my thoughts, my observations from practice that I saw Sunday at St. John's Fisher. And let me preface this by saying I am also going to be there on Monday. This is dropping on Monday. Most of you are going to be listening to this sometime Monday morning. So I will be practice. I will be at practice again on Monday with Joe Marino, actually, and Joe Miller. So the three of us are going to practice together. And now we're going to check that out. But anyway, these are some of my thoughts from Sunday Buffalo Bills practice here at St. John's Fisher. Um, this was my first trip to Bills camp in Rochester, honestly, since I can remember. Certainly my first as a fan. I remember several years ago, and I'm going way back, but I remember being at a couple um, training camp practices as a member of the media and being on the field. So it was pretty cool to, to be a Bills fan and be amongst everybody else and just be on the other side of the gate and watching the practice just like uh, everybody else. Um, I got some thoughts, by the way, too, on the setup. Because again, it's been so long that I can't even remember going to St. John's Fisher. I don't remember any of the setup before going there on Sunday. I got some thoughts on it, quite frankly. Some of it, not so good. But I'll get to that uh, in just a few minutes. I'm here to talk about what I saw from the team uh, with my own eyes. And again, I think it's important to to see things at some point with your own eyes and form your own opinions based on what you saw. Um, these are semi-random order. They're not necessarily like uh, in order of importance. But uh, here we go. And again, I got a handful of these. Biggest thing to me, far and away, um, Stefan Diggs. <clears throat> Sorry. He just seems to be on another level right now. There, there's an aura. And, and let me say this too. So when we got to, I went with my buddy Mike to practice. And when we got in the stadium, we walked all the way around to the, to the smaller bleacher side. The bleachers were pretty much filled up, stood along a gate, which depending on what you were trying to watch, the, the location kind of sucked. But the cool thing about where I was standing for practice 
is the receivers were doing their work literally right in front of our face. So I got up in personal with all the wide receivers on this team. And they're just, there's an aura about Stefan Diggs that just seems different than any other wide receiver on this team. And I'm sure most of the wide receivers around the NFL, I'm not even necessarily just talking about talent. I'm talking about, there's just an aura. There's a presence about Stefan Diggs. It's just, it sticks out. It's very noticeable. And I saw that twofold um, on Sunday. He just, there's some good wide receivers on this team, but he just, he's on another level. And whether it was warming up, whether it was doing some uh, quick route drills where a, a positional coach would throw the football, or later on, whether it was when they were running full routes on the field and one of the three quarterbacks on the Bills was throwing the football, or whether it was him doing one-on-one work, I get, well, it would be Trey White more on that in a second, whether it was that or whether it was 11-on-11 on the field, it just didn't matter. I'm, I'm not sure that I saw a single football touch the ground all day that was thrown his way. Not one. I've heard how great he's looked at camp so far. And of course, we all know the tumultuous offseason that Stefan had with the organization and, you know, the OTA stuff and the first day of minicamp, blah, blah, blah. First day of, of tr- training camp, he, he showed up. He held court with the press brilliantly, I thought, for a solid, what, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it was. Answered everything. We all moved on. We moved past that. And now I'm back to the point where I could just enjoy Stefan Diggs as a football player because I'm telling you, man, he is one of the best. Not a football touch the ground. I mentioned Trey White. So at some point, the Bills, after they do some, some route running uh, drills with, with nobody contesting them, they do one-on-ones. And all three times Stefan Diggs went one-on-one, it was against Trey White. And I, and I want to preface something with Trey White. I thought, as an aside, Trey White looks good. To me, he's all the way back, running full speed. Looks like he's running with confidence. He's got that swag back to him. So this is nothing what I'm about to say against Trey White whatsoever. But Stefan Diggs just cooked him. All three reps, he cooked him. And again, to be fair to Trey, that's nothing unique because Stefan Diggs just cooks about everybody. Just cooked him all three times. And for me, not, not just for me, for everybody pretty much, I would say the highlight of practice, so there was one play and again, you, I, God, you had to see, this is one of those plays where I could describe it to you and it sounds pretty cool, but if you see it with your own eyes, and I really wish everybody, I, I haven't seen a video on social media, I wish somebody had taken a video because it's just, you had to see it with your own eyes to truly uh, appreciate it. But anyway, highlighted practice. So Diggs is lined up on, uh, on Trey White. Quick move. It's like a kind of like a front shoulder throw from Josh Allen, which by the way, just literally a perfect pass. I mean, it almost, and it wasn't one of those passes with a lot of air under it. I mean, this was a pretty hard throw. And the ball goes whizzing past, like it came probably four inches from hitting Trey White in the side of his helmet. That's how close it was to him. So it goes past the side of his helmet. And Stefan, like, he doesn't even put up his hands to like the last possible second. And then just like in a blink of an eye. And again, this is quite literally right in front of me. Stefan gets his hands up, catches the ball, brings it down. And no lie, folks, the crowd just gasped. 
it was unbelievable, man. Again, I was right at the gate, saw it, you know, 20 yards away from, from my eyes. One, it's just one of those plays that you have to really, again, you had to see it in person to, uh, to be able to appreciate it. A perfect throw from Josh. Great covers from Trey. Just a perfect route, perfect timing to get his hands up from Stefan and, and a perfect catch. So anyway, that's probably what stuck out to me the most singularly is that Stefan just, if there was any doubts, any worries about him, don't, just don't. He's back. He, 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 he looks good. He seems happy. He was messing with the fans, the kids, like he always does, you know, playing a little bit of catch with the kids. He just seemed to be in really great spirits, very vocal with the other receivers. Again, he's a captain. He's a leader on this football team. You sensed it. Uh, you see it. And he just looks the part, man. He just looks incredible. So Stefan Diggs, just on a low level. To me, that was a big thing. Um, another big thing that I saw, Dalton Kincaid, the rookie. Now look, on Sunday, at least anyway, he didn't have like any one like specific splash play like Stefan did on that catch where you're like, oh my God, that was unbelievable. None of that. But he just looks really good, man. His, his speed, his size as a tight end, running the way he does. Uh, his movement, his his cuts, they they look almost effortless. Like it doesn't even look like he's running hard. It doesn't even look like he's digging in in with his legs to cut. And it doesn't even look like he's cutting hard. It just looks effortless and so smooth. I don't. I'm not gonna. <laughs> we're four practices in right now, and the pads haven't even went on. By the way, so Sunday I should have said this too at the top. No pads on Sunday for this practice. Um, hopefully, depending on what time you're listening to this, the Bills should be in pads on Monday, and I will be there for that as well. More on that in, in just a few minutes here. But anyway, he just, he looks effortless, and I don't want to, you know, project what his role is going to be in week one of this offense right now. But I will tell you this. So I, again, I was locked on, in on him pretty much. Nothing flashy, so to speak. Just looks really smooth, really fluid, catches everything. Um, and I saw, and I noticed, because this is something I look for, plenty of uh, the 12 personnel. And for people out there who might not know, 12 personnel is when the Bills are using two tight ends. So in this case, it was often, or not often, it was pretty much all the time, Dawson Knox and, and Dalton Kincaid. It was fun to see plenty of the 12 personnel. Um, and from it, they ran a good handful of alignments out of this formation. So it's not just like two wide or two tight ends out there at the same time, one on each side, and run whatever play. Um, I saw one alignment where, where Dawson Knox was in the backfield as the running back in a kind of a one-back set. Um, there was another time where Dalton Kincaid was the one in the backfield, and he, he, he was the H fullback, like that Dallas Clark kind of style. That, we saw that a couple times. Um, sometimes they were both in line as tight ends, lined up next to each of uh, the tackles, Dawkins and Spencer Brown. Uh, a couple times I saw... Uh, Dalton Kincaid out there as a slot wide receiver while Dawson Knox was the inline tight end. Basically, in that formation, Dalton Kincaid is that swollen Cole Beasley that we talked about a lot at the time of the draft when the Bills took Kincaid. So they did run some formations where he was like that third receiver, that big slot guy. Um, a couple times we saw uh, Dawson Knox in line as the tight end in a stance, and, and Dalton Kincaid was you know, off to the side of him, like the side of his hip lined up. So the Bills showed a lot at this practice anyway with both tight ends. And, it, and it's exciting to see, and it's intriguing to see 
you know, as time goes on and how much they use the 12 personnel and in the ways that they use it. I, I feel like if you paid attention anyway on Sunday, you got a, a, a nice glimpse of that. And if, by the way, all this talk about Dawson Knox and, or um, I'm sorry, Dalton Kincaid, that's great and all, but it's easy to forget about Dawson Knox. Don't do that. He's looked really good too. I've heard he's looked really good the first couple of days. And with my own eyes, he looked plenty good on Sunday as well. He's going to be plenty effective for the Bills. He's not going anywhere. I think he's going to be on the field a ton as Dalton Kincaid whether he's that 12 personnel or whatever, however they use him, I think Dawson Knox is going to be on the field a lot. So I don't think he's going anywhere. If you're a Dawson Knox fan, he'll be plenty effective as well. But anyway, seeing the tight ends and how they were working, that was really interesting to me on Sunday. Uh, another thing, then we'll take a quick break here. The right guard position. So you got Ryan Bates and Osiris Torrance. Everybody knows that um, it's being billed as a legit competition. I, I'll tell you, after watching practice on Sunday, I feel like that is the case. I do feel like, this is a legitimate competition right now for the starting right guard spot. Uh, Ryan Bates started practice on Sunday. I, I'm pretty sure he ended it too with the first team, but there are plenty of reps for Osiris Torrance. And look, I'm not smart enough, and I'm not going to try to pretend like I am. I'm not smart enough to really be able to gain a lot from offensive line play. It's hard enough for me to really evaluate offensive line play when the pads are on. So it's pretty much impossible when the pads aren't on. I really can't tell you too much. On what's going on. We'll learn more soon enough because the pads are going on this week. But my gut, and this is just my gut, no inside information, obviously, or anything like that. My gut says Ryan Bates is going to start the season at guard while Torrance is maybe eased in. Um, I think that ultimately the, the goal would be to have Torrance take over that right guard spot and Ryan Bates becomes like your utility knife offensive lineman where he can play a guard, he can play center, obviously. If Mitch Morris goes down, he might even be able to play tackle if something happens to Brown or Dawkins that they don't feel good about, whether it's Quesaberry, whether it's Shell, whether it's Doyle, whoever makes the team as the swing tackle, maybe that might end up being Bates too. Down the road, I can see that happening, but I feel like to start the year, Ryan Bates is going to be the starter. Now, I could easily be wrong. But one thing I can tell by the way practice went on Sunday and from what we've seen and heard the first couple of days is that this is a, a position right now that feels like a legitimate competition for sure. And again, without pads on, it's really tough to know. And also without pads on, it, it, you know, it, it's really hard to gauge the, the pass rush, you know, what would be sacks or who's beating who on the line drills when they're not really able to fully get in the blocking without the pads on. But I will say this, Sunday felt like a really good day for the edge guys. I thought Shane Ray, who by the way, if you don't know the roster and the numbers pretty well, it was pretty weird looking at a tall dude, number 49, and not think of Tremaine Edmonds, but that's what Shane Ray's wearing is 49. I thought he looked good. Uh, Leonard Floyd looked really good. He had a nice, like, uh, kind of like a spitter remove. On one pass rush, I thought he looked really good. A.J. Epinesa, who I don't know, man. I'm getting tired of saying it. Every year he looks good in, in, in the summer. He looks good at camp. Then, you know, maybe it tails off a little bit. But anyway, he's off to a pretty solid start. I just felt like it was a really good day for uh, the edge guys. Most, it felt like most of these guys were, were winning on the rush. Again, you can only tell so much uh, without pads. But anyway, quick break, and, I, and then I got a couple more uh, Sunday practice Buffalo Bills observations for you.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I'm back here. Going over some uh, observations and notes that I took down from Sunday's Buffalo Bills practice at St. John's Fisher. Again, this is audio only today. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to, make sure that if you haven't already, that you uh, that you follow and that you like, rate and review, all that fun stuff really helps me continue uh, to grow the show. All right, so back to the receivers for just a minute here. Because again, the way I was standing along the gates, I was stationed right near them. So that was the one position I really got to lock in on during uh, team drills anyway. Uh, a couple of no- Justin Shorter, the rookie, they took it to fifth round. He looks impressive. He- he's a physically impressive looking dude. One of the bigger guys on the on the roster at the position. Certainly probably the biggest among the wide receivers that I, I think have a legitimate chance to make the 53-man roster. Definitely bigger. Saw him do a couple of good things during drills as well. Um, also the new guy from Miami, I'm very high on him, Trent Shurfield. Uh, you know, quite honestly, I thought he'd look a little bit bigger in just his jersey and shorts, but he's really not. He's not that big. Unless he's standing next to Deontay Hardy, then he, then he's much bigger. But I, I was impressed with him. I was impressed with him with Miami from what I saw on Sunday. He looked really good. Um, good route runner, catches the ball well, cuts up field quick. We all know that he's a good blocker, a, a core special team player. I definitely see a role on uh, on the Bills this year for for Trent Shurfield. Like what I saw, not many balls hit the hit the ground at all. Quite frankly, during uh, during drills with the receivers, one and this made me think Isaiah Coulter he had a really bad drop, and you could see his frustration. Number eighty two came back to the sidelines. You could tell he was visibly frustrated, and I get it. You know, we we watch these guys practice for some of them anyway, and guys like say. Stefan or, or Gabe Davis or, or Trent Sherfield or Hardy, these guys, you know, they go out and if they run a bad route or if Josh or Kyle Allen or, or Barkley, they put a ball in their chest and they drop it or hit some square in the hands and they drop it, they shake it off relatively quickly, not a big deal, move on to the next rep, you know, but 
when you're a guy like, and I think about this a lot, Isaiah Coulter, who, you know, he's got a, such an uphill battle to, to make this roster to, to begin with, or even maybe even the practice squad, you know, they, they have a bad drop, a bad play, one bad rep, and it probably shakes them for, for the rest of practice. Like I said, you can really see the frustration. So, oh, and it, just as a fan and, you know, somebody who wants everybody to go out there and look good and succeed, sometimes that could be, uh, you know, pretty tough to see. And I'm sure, you know, it, it, it stays with a guy like an Isaiah Coulter long and it'll stay with a guy like uh, Gabe Davis. I guess that's what I'm saying here. Um, on the defensive side, so, you know, Kyrie Elam, he got some runs with the number ones and then her second half of practice anyway uh, on Sunday. Look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I am. I, I feel like watching him practice, whether it was with the ones or, or the twos on Sunday. And from what I've read and seen prior to Sunday, I just feel like he's very up and down at this point, like sh he's shaky. He has some really good reps and he, I saw a couple good reps on Sunday and then I saw some, some pretty shitty reps. And, you know, I, I liked, it's tough because he struggled last year to, to get on the field. And I thought I liked the way that he looked at the end of the season last year. He had some tough outings early on and I at least felt like he improved. I've said it a million times. I'll say it a million and one. When the Bills got their asses handed to them by the Bengals, I thought that Matt Milano and I thought Kyrie Elam were the only two players on that defense that bothered to show up against Cincinnati. So I really had high expectations for him coming into the season. And it's kind of almost like a mystery of why he's even in a competition and why it seems like he's getting beat in this competition to this point. And then I watch with my own eyes and I see him up and down and just not looking. F I don't know. It's just something missing. I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if it's just, he's making mistakes when it comes to reads, whatever it may be. He just doesn't look like a good starting cornerback to me right now. And I could see why I don't like to say this. Nobody wants to say this about a number one draft pick just a year, you know, going in the year two. I could see why the staff isn't so high on him. I could see why this is a legitimate competition between him and Dane Jackson and Christian Benford right now. I could see why they didn't want to convert Christian Benford into safety because maybe Dane Jackson's slotted to start, but if he don't work out, they still don't trust Kyra. I don't, I don't know what it is. I guess it depends on what rep you watch because sometimes he looks like a really, really good corner to me. And other times I'm like, where is, what's he doing out there? You getting, you know, smoked by, by Justin Short or whoever. It's just, I don't know, just really inconsistent, really wonky with him. And I feel, and this is based on feel and maybe a hunch. And maybe at least to some extent, what we've seen through the first week and what I saw on Sunday, that CB2 job next to Trey White, I feel like it's going to be Dane Jackson's job to lose at this point. That's how I feel. I feel like it's Dane Jackson's job right now to lose. Uh, Dane Jackson, he's not great. I'm sure fans don't love it. In fact, I'm quite positive that if you took a poll right now and asked who would you like to see the start at corner for the Bills and you put Elam and Benford and Dane Jackson up, I'd be willing to bet money that Dane Jackson would come in last. So I know fans don't love it. 
But I think he's pretty steady. I think he's pretty solid. I think he keeps, he gives up plays or catches, but he keeps guys in front of him. And I feel like Sean McDermott is comfortable enough with Dane Jackson that I think he's got the edge right now to, to, to win this job and be the starter. Uh, if you're an Elam guy, and to some extent, I don't know if I am, but I know I want to be. But if you're an Elam guy, I, I, I feel like it's fair. And I know a lot of people won't agree with me. A lot of content creators out there won't agree with me. A lot of fans out there won't agree with me. But I'm at least a little bit worried about that first round bus label. I really am. I'd be worried. Because I, I get a feeling right now that if, Dane, if, if this was week one, if this coming Sunday was week one, I feel like Dane Jackson's starter. And I feel like the first backup off the bench, the first outside corner, Right now, it's Christian Benford. Depending on what the Bills do on game day, Kyrie Elam might not even be active on game one. So, yeah, if I'm an Elam guy, there's plenty to worry about. I don't know what he can do at this point, other than be more consistent, obviously. But don't know if that's going to happen. Don't know how this plays out. I hope I'm wrong, because I definitely want to see a, a guy that the Bills took in the first round develop into a starter. But, again, we're going in the year two. And he's getting beat by a journeyman, a guy who at best was, was like Levi is like their, you know, the 2023 Levi Wallace. And then a guy who got drafted in the sixth round who beat him out last year. It looks like he might beat him out again at camp this year as well. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong based on what I saw. Another quick secondary note too, by the way, you know, I, I talked about how you had to be there. You got to see it with your own eyes in person, you know, just how Diggs runs this route and that play that shoulder catch that he made from Josh Allen. You had to see that in person. I feel like you got to see Teron Johnson in person to, to really appreciate him. The work that he puts in, man, he's so physical. He's so good in coverage in so many ways. He can do so many things. To me, uh, Teron Johnson might, might, might not just, he might be the most underrated player, I, like maybe on this entire roster. That's how good I think he is. He's just a fun player to watch. I watched him play plenty on Sunday. And I just came away impressed with him, like I almost always do. Uh, a couple quick more things here before we get out of here. Didn't really lock in too much on the running backs. James Cook had a, a great touchdown on a wheel route. Um, didn't really get to see the play in person. I did see it later on on video. It was a nice wheel route. I uh, got behind a, a step behind Micah Hyde and just another perfect throw from Josh Allen. But Josh Allen looked really good throwing the football. There were a couple interceptions, but whatever, man. I thought he looked good. In fact, I, I know for, for sure one of the two interceptions on the day, what Josh definitely wasn't in there. Um, but anyway, Josh threw a perfect pass to Cook, and, and he hauled it in. He got just a little bit past Micah Hyde. It was a little bit frustrated. It, that's what you want to see from James Cook. That's the kind of player we thought we'd see more of uh, when he was a second-round pick last year. I, I think he's got a firm, firm grasp right now on the starting running back job. I don't think he's losing that. I think he's going to be a, a pretty big part of this offense. And if he could do what I saw on Sunday, plays like that, running those routes, catching the ball, hauling it in for what would have been a touchdown, um, there's a lot to be excited about uh, when it comes to James Cook. Uh, Damian Harris seems in pretty firm control of that running back two job, at least for now anyway. Uh, what stood out for me, not anything specific that I saw on the field in terms of a play, but just size-wise, how much bigger? Latavius Murray is a big dude, man. I mean, he is a lot bigger than both James Cook or uh, Damian Harris. That stood out to me. Um, flipping back to the defense, I thought if there wasn't 
if I was going to give an award for the unsung star of, of this practice on Sunday, I probably would go with Tim Settle. Uh, he looked quick, looked active, looked physical. He's had a really good camp so far by all accounts. And from what I saw Sunday, he looked really good. And quite frankly, uh, Tim Settle needs it. You know, Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones and Puna Ford, who, by the way, the play play of the day on Sunday, which I actually missed. I did not even see. I was walking away towards the bathroom. More on that in a second. But uh, it was a screen pass. I guess he didn't have to do too much, but caught it, ran it back for what would have been like a 60-yard touchdown return. Josh Allen chased him down at the end, even though Josh Allen wasn't even the quarterback who <laughs> threw the interception. But anyway, cool moment for Puna Ford to get a pick, what would be uh, a pick six. But anyway, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Puna Ford, those defensive tackles are absolute locks to be in this rotation. Uh, Tim Settle's going to have to beat out Jordan Phillips, and that's if Jordan Phillips is even healthy enough to, to play to start the season. Who the hell knows uh, at, at this point? So regardless, you know, Tim Settle, I, I, I like what I saw from him on Sunday, and it's a good start because, quite frankly, man, I thought he was pretty disappointing last year. I, was, I talked about this with Anthony Marino on the show last week. I was high on Tim Settle coming to the Buffalo Bills from Washington. The word was, the buzz was, he's a really good player that has just lacked opportunity. And he would get that opportunity last year. And to a fair extent, he did. But he did not take advantage of it. I thought Tim Settle was very mid last year. I hate using that word, but I'll use it there. Mid. I thought he was very mid. Nothing special at all about him. When Daquan Jones was out for that Bengals game, just like with Oliver, I mean, it wasn't just Tim Settle, but whatever. They just were complete disappearing acts in the playoffs. So anyway, to see him come out, maybe going in the year two, he's just more comfortable in his own skin as a Buffalo Bill. I don't know what it is, but I really liked what I saw from him on Sunday. He might've been like, again, like I said, my unsung star of this practice. Uh, one other thing too, uh, from things I saw on the field, I don't really got much to add. I know it's one of the most talked about things in Bill's camp, but for good reason. I really don't got much to add on the middle linebacker position. Clearly right now it's a three-horse race between Terrell Dodson or Tyrell Dodson, uh, Terrell Bernard, Inspector, Braylon Spector. Dodson got the start on Sunday, which I thought was notable because he got to start the first day of practice. Then it was Bernard on day two and then Spector day three. There was, and they were off Saturday, so it was a lot of speculation. Well, is A.J. Klein going to get a look with the ones? Is Dorian Williams going to get a look with the ones? Well, that answer was no. They went back to Dodson on day four. I thought that was pretty telling. Um, Spectre didn't start, but he got plenty of run. And I'll tell you, and, and a lot of people notice this too, he's loud. You can hear him communicating with the defense a lot. I'm sure Sean McDermott likes that a lot with, with Spectre. Very communicative with, with uh, the rest of the defense when he's out there. I'm not sure he should be counted out. I could see a scenario. And again, I'm speculating here, just my personal opinion, but I could see Spectre maybe being that second middle linebacker when beating out Terrell Bernard Ford. If it's not Dodson, like if I were putting betting odds right now, Dodson would be my choice. Second choice, I, I think I might have Spectre. I think he might pass Bernard uh, at some point. And physically, by the way, another thing I noticed, now, the few times that both Dodson and Bernard had reps at the same time, there was a couple times where Dodson was the mic. And uh, Bernard was in for, for Matt Milano at weak linebacker. So when they were out there at the same time, just Dotson's much bigger. 
It's really noticeable too. Like Dodd is a big boy, man. And, uh, but now it's not. Anyway, this is a, it's a, it's a position. I definitely look forward to, to seeing more of in camp. I'm going to be locked into it on Monday as well. And it's also the preseason too. I think it's going to be very important. Uh, I think middle linebacker is far from settled, but unlike cornerback two, where I think it's Jackson and Benford and Elam's still in the mix for sure. But I think that could come down to like literally the week of opening week. I think middle linebacker, I get a hunch anyway, that Sean McDermott wants to find out who his starter is going to be at the mic sooner than later there. Like I said, whereas, whereas cornerback two or whether Bates versus Torrance, that could come literally down uh, to the wire. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, sometime maybe later this week you get, if some Bills news comes down that from Sean McDermott, then maybe he says Dotson or maybe the inspector, I don't know. But somebody, I think he wants to get his starter there and work with that guy in as a starter and getting him more reps instead of this even split sooner uh, than later. Before I go real quick, some thoughts on the, the St. John's Fisher camp experience. And I don't want to come off as a hater here, but I, I do have a couple criticisms I, I need to discuss. And if you're a person that, who's never been to camp before, or if you haven't been there enough to know any of the ins and outs, I just wanted to drop a couple things that you need to know if you're going to be heading over to Pittsburgh, you know, over this next week and a half or so, or, you know, in the future. And also, also, let me preface this by saying, to be fair, I, again, as somebody who has not been to camp in so long that I literally can't even remember anything about St. John's Fisher, I should have done a little more outward research myself before just showing up at camp, you know, not already knowing where to go and what to do. And, and what not to do. So a lot of that's on me. So if you're going to camp, jump online, go on Twitter, go on Facebook. I'm sure you know somebody who's been at camp. Make sure you ask them questions. Just don't wing it yourself because you're probably going to run into some issues uh, like I did. So when you get to St. John's, to, 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 uh, to the campus there, St. John's Fisher, there's an, and I hate this, there's an absolute, and I was looking for him too. I figured there would be, and there wasn't. There was an absolute lack of signs telling you where you should be going, where you should be parking, what you should be doing. You know, there's, there's a few like official parking lots on the campus or directly off it, but those are 100% permanent only, which is one of the many things I found out on the fly. Because again, there's literally no signs anywhere. There's no signs until you pull in and try to park that it says permit only. There's no signs that say what high school you park at, where you could go, where shuttle buses are, any of that stuff. So there's a big lack of signs when you get to the actual St. John's Fisher campus. Uh, there's a handful of houses that have large lawns that were parking cars on them. Like kind of like when you go to a Bills game uh, near the stadium on Abbott road for, you know, when they got cars, then you could just park on people's lawns. They make their money doing that. These here at practice were 20 bucks per pop. I mean, it's not great, but honestly, uh, me and the guy, my, my buddy, Mike, by the way, he's uh, the guy I went to practice with. We did this and we got there late and <laughs> not necessarily proud of this, but there was like a cone. I, I feel like there was a cone there that was supposed to represent that the, the lawn was full, but it was off to the side. So we parked in there and we were looking for somebody to give 20 bucks to to find a parking spot. There was nobody even there. It wasn't even attended. Parked all the way in the back. Um, anyway, long story short, ended up parking for free, which is cool. But I wouldn't count on that happening. So if you're going to St. John's Fisher and you don't want to deal with having to go to one of the schools and taking a shuttle more than that in a second and all that other stuff. And if you want to get there early enough to make sure you're going to get a spot, that's probably your best bet. Just there's a couple, like I said, string of two or three houses right in front where there's a bunch of cars that park on a lawn. They charge 20 bucks. Just pay your 20 bucks. 
park on the lawn, make sure you don't get blocked in and, and be done with it. And, and then just walk across the street to go uh, into the stadium. Probably your best bet. Anyway, and if you do that, though, it's, it's a decent walk from the car to the entrance. If you go that route, a little hilly, nothing out of the ordinary. No, it's kind of just like going to a, a Bills game. Uh, once you get inside the stadium, there's a Bills merchandise store. I think there's a few, actually. A few things for the kids to enjoy. Not as much as I remembered, though, years ago. Nothing crazy. Uh, took a decent amount of time to, to get through security and into the stadium. Which felt a little bit longer, considering there's probably not that many people at practice, although it was a Sunday, so I'm sure it was a bigger crowd, and a lot of kids were there um, on Sunday. It was a picture-perfect day out weather-wise. Um, so anyway, decent, decent walk from just outside of the entrance to get in, but nothing too crazy. Uh, the one thing that I will say that sucked, and I don't know if it was just for that one day on Sunday, uh, I, maybe there were some other porta-potties or some or other bathroom areas that were down, but there's definitely a lack of porta-potties, and there was a huge ass line to go to the bathroom like literally the line was so long that if you were watching practice and you had to go to the bathroom like maybe a half hour 45 minutes into practice and the line was like wrapped around a corner if you had to go to the back of the line you literally probably missed half the practice just because you had to go to the porta potty there was maybe i don't know a couple thousand people at practice there was maybe six porta potties i don't know maybe it just felt Maybe it was just a, a coincidence where like half the people at St. John's Fisher all had to go to the bathroom at the same time. But anyway, the line was absurdly long. I found that out the hard way. So that sucked. Um, as for the field, get there early. There, there's two sets of stands. And again, if a lot of you are going to practices often, I'm telling you shit that you already know. This is more geared towards people who don't go to practice or might be going for the first time or have only been there a couple of times and, and they just didn't pay attention or don't know. Uh, get there early because there's two sets of stands one on each side uh the one side has way more bleachers that's like going to a high school football game where the home side um of the bleachers has way more than the and then the road the opponent team has far less uh on the opposite end so that's the way it is you you want to get in those bleachers and not only do you want to get in those bleachers you want to get up high like don't bother if you get there early enough and you get bleacher seats don't go in the first like five six seven rows because if you do so many people end up standing around the gates. It's only going to end block your view of everything and just frustrate you. So you want to get there early, get to the bleachers, and get up high so that you can see everything. And uh, for, the, for those who are, are wondering and don't know, the, the right play, if you're going to a practice, drive to one of the two high schools. And again, this is something that you had to go on the internet or know somebody or ask somebody. I, I should have looked this stuff up or knew what to do beforehand. Uh, one of them is Sutherland High School. And the other is Menden High School. What you do is you go, you park there, you park there for free, and you take one of the school bus shuttles that go to the stadium. It's about 10 to 15 minutes away, tops. And it's like a buck per person. Not, not, a, not a big deal. Uh, the bus takes you up right there where the gates are, where you enter the stadium. So it's a good deal. I definitely would suggest, especially after what we did on Sunday, which was wrong, I definitely would suggest uh, doing that. Basically, in a nutshell, the biggest thing, if you're going to Bill's practice in Rochester, get there early. Get there plenty early. You want time to park, uh, time to, to wait for the next shuttle bus, to get on it, to, to get to the stadium, to get into the stadium, to get to a porta potty if you, if you have to go at all. I would highly suggest you do it before practice even gets going and get one of those coveted high bleacher seats, you know, on one of the two sides of the field. Regardless of 
how far your drive is, you know, your drive time from home or wherever you're, you're coming from to, uh, to St. John's Fisher. I'd suggest being in one of those two high school parking lots or, or like the lawn out in front of the campus where you, where you got to pay to park no less than an hour before practice starts. So practices are starting at 945. I would say you want to be there by 845 at the latest. A buddy and I didn't get there until literally practice was getting ready to start, kind of paid the price, especially with the viewing. Although again, I did get a decent spot near the fence, right in front of where the wide receivers were working. And I was right there when Stefan Diggs caught that laser from Josh that just completely uh, wowed the crowd. Anyway, I will be right back at practice again on Monday. This time I will be with my man, Joe Miller from Buffalo Rumblings and also Joe Marino from Lockdown Bills. Not sure if I'm going to be recording a podcast or not Monday night for a Tuesday drop, but I'm definitely going to be recording with Anthony Marino on Tuesday for our weekly Wednesday episode. And again, I'm going to have Joe Marino on Thursday live from Imperial Pizza. I'm very much looking forward to that. So it's going to be a very busy week here at Talking Buffalo. Of course, a very busy week for the Buffalo Bills as well. Thank you one more time for, uh, for tuning in, for locking in today. I'll be back again soon. Thank you very much. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. And like I said, these are audio only episodes when I'm going solo, but I'm going to start doing some videos soon. Don't really, I still don't like doing these solo episodes, but from time to time, got to do uh, what you got to do. Anyway, thank you very much. Talk to you soon and uh, have a good one. We'll be back.